All right. So today's daf is daf Nun Dalid, page 54, Masechus Yavamis. We pick up with Menohani Mili, which is eight lines, uh, seven, seventh and eighth line from the top of the Amud. Anun Dalid Amud Aleph, 54a, last two words on the seventh line, Menohani Mili is the first word on the eighth line. This is where we pick up from. And let's remind ourselves of our sugya. So we started a new parak yesterday, the sixth parak of, of Meseches Yivamis. The Mishnah beginning of our parak taught us that Yibum is valid however the Bia, however the cohabitation, the relations, the intercourse, however it happens, whether it was B'Shaygeg, B'Mezid, B'Aynes, B'Ratzen, no matter how it was done, if the bottom line is there were relations, you are now married. That's what we learned in our Mishnah. Okay? Now, what we're about to do in the beginning of our daf is say, Menahanimili, bring me a source. What is the source that, that Bia, that having relations, even if it's not fully according to the will of the Yavam and or Yavama, is still going to be valid. Because we know by a regular marriage, you need the das of both of them, right? Both husband and wife need to be all in on this. How do we know that if the relations happen even without, with, without the knowledge of one side, and we gave the examples yesterday, how such a thing is possible, um, that it's valid. So here we go. What's the source that no matter what, the yibum is valid? The Torah Rabbanon, because the rabbis learned in social we. Here's a Pusik in the Torah. The Torah tells us, Yevamai Yavai Aleha. The way to do Yibum is by the Yavam having relations with the Yavama. What does that teach me, Yevamai Yavai Aleha? Mitzvah. This is the way, this is the mitzvah. This is the way that Yibum should be accomplished. Okay? Dovaracher. Another thing you can learn out from this Pasuk is, now we're going to have to question this because usually you don't learn out two things from one word, one Pasuk. Not only is it the relations that make it a mitzvah, but also however the relations happen, whether it was unintentional, intentional, whether it was forced, whether it was willingly, it is all going to create a valid yibum. Now, by the way, by the way, you know, the first thing that we said, mitzvah, is letting me know that as far as Yibam is concerned, you could do either Yibam or Chalitza. So Yavamo Yavo Aleha teaches me, ideally, even though there's a mitzvah of Chalitza, ideally we prefer the Yibam. Midoraisa, biblically, we prefer that Yibam would be done. But be it as it may, what are we learning out from this Pasuk? Two things. First thing is that we prefer Yibam, that it's the mitzvah. Second thing is, no matter how the relations happen, it's going to be valid. Says the Gemara, the obvious question, the, or we should say the expected question, ask the Gemara, Baha Fikte la mitzvah. You can't really, we don't, you shouldn't take one verse and learn out two things. So it says, Yavama Yavo Allah teaches me mitzvah that really, ideally, we prefer that you have the relations as opposed to the Chalitza. So how can it also teach me, Bein Bishagi, Bein Bemeze, Bein Bainis, Bein Baratzen? The Gemara answers, Le mitzvah me veimla yachboitza ish nafka. The fact that we prefer, Gibum over Chalitza is learnt out from Imloi, the Pasuk of Imloi Yachbait, Hachafid Zibum. But if he wants to take her in Ibum, then he should. 
cross, then what does it mean? That teaches me Okay, Gavaldik. So says the says uh, the Gemara to answer the question. You're right. Both of these things are not learned out from Yavama Yavoleo, but there are two psukim, one um, pretty much following the other. There are two psukim off from each other. But one Pasuk says, if the man doesn't want to do it, then you do the chalitza, which seems to imply, ideally, we prefer that he did want to. Okay? And Yavama Yavoleo is what's going to be teaching me that no matter how the relations happen, it's going to be valid. Period. End of that Gemara. Tanya Idach. We learned in Abraisa similarly. Yavamo Yavo Aleha. The Yavama, the Yavam and Yavama should have relations together. He comes on her. What does that mean? Kidarka. Which means you have, you have relations in the usual way. The usual way. Then it's valid. Shalai Kidarka. What about if they have relations in an unusual way? Okay, how do we know that it's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, Ulakacha, and he takes her, mean Shalaikadarka. Even if they had relations in an unusual way, okay, so then uh, in an unnatural way, even then it's going to be a valid taking. The Yibim, the Torah says, and now Yibim has been done. This teaches me the only way to complete a yibum is only with relations. However, it does not work with kesef and shtar. If he gives his yavama money, or he gives the yavam gives the yavama a document of marriage, you have not completed the yibum. The yivma, and he did yibum with her. What does that imply? Balkarcha even if it didn't have her knowledge. Okay, so again, Tanya Idach, we learned it by similarly, again, we see from the, we see sources in the Torah that the, um, the Yibam takes place even without intent. Dover Acher, another way to understand the Pasuk, Yavama Yavayaleo Bein B'Shaygeg V'chulu, says the Gemara V'Fikte L'Kedarka, we already used the Pasuk to teach me that if they had relations, Kedarka, in the usual way, then Yibum works. So, you know, if let's say, you know, it was done unintentionally, now we, we no longer have a source to tell me it's valid. So we, we're looking for a source again. What's going to, you know, uh, what's Takeda Alacha if, if uh, the Bia was unintentional? Answers the Gemara, Ahumi lahakim laachiv shem nafka. Let's learn it out from the Pasuk which says that the purpose of Yibum is lahakim to establish laachiv for his brother shame a name. Which means, what's the diok? What do you see from these, this Pasuk? B'makaim shemekim shame. The only time it's going to be a valid relations for Bia is if it's possible to have a child through that relation. That means it's done in a natural way. Relations in an unnatural way cannot produce a child. But now that we said it has to be a, a intercourse, a relations in the natural way, and the pastor is coming to teach me that the that the yibum is going to work in a natural way, whether it was done unintentional, intentional, forced, or willingly. 
Okay, period. End of that brisa and end of the Gemara explaining that brisa as well. Kabbaldic. So we just have a list of sources as well as what, uh, how we intend to use those sources. Gufa, brand new Gemara. Gufa, a piece of a previously quoted statement. Amrav Yudar Buda says, Yashen lo kana biyavimtai. Listen to this. If the Yavam was sleeping at the time of intercourse. Now, how was that possible? So the Gemara yesterday taught us, if let's say the man is sleeping and he, he, his aver, his male organ gets hard while he's sleeping and his Yavama lays on him, sits on him and now he's inserted into her, Okay. Is that an acquisition? Have they now, has he now acquired her as his wife and done the mitzvah of Yibum? No. You have not. Because the Pesach says, that he, the Yavam comes on her. What does that mean? There has to be intent for the purpose, not of the mitzvah, but of Bia. He has to be aware that when he went, when, when he was inserted into her, that, there, that it was an intercourse. If he was sleeping at the time, there was no das at all, that's not considered yibam. Says the Gemara, is that true? But we learned in Hebrides, you can have the mitzvah of yibam work whether or not he's sleeping or awake. So you see, you could be sleeping and it's still a mitzvah. Answer the Gemara, no, no. Whether she's asleep or whether she's awake. But by him, he's got to be up. If he was sleeping, it's not considered enough of a relation to acquire. Ah, he says the Gemara of Hatanya, but we learned in a different price. Bain Ar, who? Bain Yashain, who? Bain Era, he? Bain Yashain, he? The relations, the physical relations, is going to create an acquisition whether or not he or she is awake or sleeping. So again, we're back to our question. You know, in the beginning of the statement, we said, Gufa, he's got to be awake. Over here, you see that even if he's not awake, you perform the, mission, the, the mitzvah. Answers the Gemara, fascinating. Yeah? There's asleep, there's awake, and then there's dozing off. Okay? What do you mean dozing off? If he is dozing off, then he's not asleep, he's not awake. Seder? Oh. So now, if he's dozing off and he's kind of asleep, it's still going to be an acquisition. Now, what does it mean he's kind of asleep? So the Gemara is going to clarify this. What do you mean you're dozing off? What does that mean? Amar Ravashi, Ravashi explains, You're not sleeping, you're not up. What does that mean? For example, the curry lavani. You know, sometimes you're a person sitting there, somebody says, Yanko, oh, Yanko's going to hear his name. Yeah, he'll pick up his head, right? But he can't respond in any logical form because his brain is like shut down. His brain's fried. He's so tired. But if you call his name, he'll be like, Yanko, what? And he asks him a question. He's like, huh? Can't respond, okay? But when you remind him of what's going on, he will remember. So in such a case where a guy's dozing off and the Yavama comes on him, right? Let's, again, he didn't intentionally go, um, he didn't intentionally go into her butt, it happened, he's dozing off, huh? 
So then we say it's going to be a valid yibum. But if his mom is sleeping, that's not going to be a valid yibum. Hence, the contradiction has now been answered. Okay. Next piece of Gemara. Gufa. A piece of a previously quoted statement. Omar Rabba Rabba says, Nofal min hagav viniska. Remember, we learned this price yesterday. A guy is on a roof. He falls off the roof. And whatever the circumstances are, his male organ gets inserted into the woman. And it's like an intercourse. Chayav barbodvarim. He's obligated in four things, and he did not acquire her as his Yavama. Now, what are the four things that he's obligated to pay her? Benezek, any sort of physical damage or any other damage. Bitsar, pain, he's got to pay for pain. Bisheves, he's got to pay for the loss of work if she has to lose out on work because he fell on her. And Beriboy, he's got to pay for medical bills. There's usually a fifth category of financial obligation when you damage somebody, which is embarrassment. He says over here, you don't got to pay her for embarrassment. The only time if you damage somebody and they get embarrassed, you need to pay them for the embarrassment is when you intended to embarrass them. But over here where he fell off the roof, he wasn't expecting this to happen either. Hence, He's only going to be obligated to pay the other four payments. Amar Rav Rav says, "Niskavin lahatiach bekaiso vehitiach biyevimtai." Loikana, it is a guy. He's he, uh, he you know he, he has an erection and he's pressing himself against the wall. And whatever happens, however it happens, and it turns out he he's he ends up with his yavam. His Yavama walks by, boom, he ends up at his Yavama instead of against the wall. Loikana, so she's not, you, you, that, that wasn't considered her relations. However, if you intended for bestiality, you intended for relations, and he's about to insert himself into an animal. And then his Yavama ends up grabbing him. Okay? And, uh, or somebody, uh, a guy grabs him and inserts him into the Yavama, because you intended for there to be an intercourse. Not with, not with this woman, but you intended for there to be an intercourse. And since you intended for that, that's enough to say that it was a valid acquisition. Period. End of that Gemara. We're now up to the two dots. Next part of the Mishnah, next statement of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said a very a fascinating um, halacha that's going to take us for the next little bit on today's daf. And this was the statement. Let's explain outside. Okay? Let's, let's call this two types of intercourse. Two types of bia. Okay? Bia is the, the Hebrew word for a legitimate uh, intercourse. Um, and that is, there's something called the gemar bia. Gemar bia is in a total insertion of the male organ or at least majority of the male organ into the vaginal canal. Okay? That's a bia gemura, a complete bia. There's another type of bia called a hara'a. Hara'a is the beginning of a bia. 
Okay, so we'll say it's a, uh, a slight or partial insertion of the male organ into the vaginal canal. So the tip of the male organ is inserted or a slight amount. That's called, um, that's called hara'a. All right. Now, our Mishnah had said that if a yavam has hara'a with the yavama, he has acquired her. And that is a yibam. You don't need a bia gemura, a complete bia, in order for there to be an acquisition. Even the beginning of an intercourse, hara'a, is going to create a uh, acquisition. Says the Gemara, Omar Ula. Ula says, How do we know that in general, let's say you have a couple that's not allowed to be together. You're not allowed to have relations together. Maybe it's only a complete bia that you can't do. How do you know I can't even partially, the guy can't partially insert himself? And if you do, it's a biblical transgression. Where in the Torah do you find that? It says the Gemara Shanemar, as it says, If a man should lie down with a woman, Dova, um, while she's a Nida, okay? And he uncovers her nakedness. Her source, Ha'ara, he has uncovered. You see the word ha'ara, which means even if you start to uncover her eternally, you don't need a complete bia in order for it to be entered. As long as you started, that itself is considered a is considered a intercourse and it's going to be forbidden. Says the Gemara, okay. But look at the verse. It said, when a man lies with a woman who's anida and reveals her nakedness, that seems to imply that maybe a partial bia. A partial intercourse is only a transgression by Anita. Says the Gemara, Ashkanida. You find the source for a woman who's Anita, there's a transgression. Shai mind. how do you know by anybody else? How do you know it's called a Bia by, by any intercourse? Maybe it's specific to Anita. Says Gemara, If you're going to tell me, why would it be specific to Anita? I should learn everything out from Anita. No. Malanida Shakeim Metame is Bayala. I'll tell you, there's actually a fascinating stringency by Anida, which is that if you have a man who has relation, if you have a man who has relations with a woman, guess what? He takes on the impurity of the Nida as if he himself is Anida. So that's a very strict halacha. So maybe says the Gemara, you know, you might want to say, oh, learn everything out from Nida. And if Nida's a problem, it should be a problem everywhere. You can't do that. Because some things by Nida are a problem, even though it's not a problem everywhere. So we're back to our question. In other words, the Gemara is asking, very nice, you know, har, hara, uh, by a need is a problem, but you still haven't brought me a source that hara uh, everywhere else is going to be a problem. Is also biblically forbidden. So the Gemara answers, oh, you're right. Ella, asya You know how hara uh, is going to be forbidden? We learn it out from the transgression of marrying your brother's wife. Dechsev. State and tire. It says in the passage. A man takes brother's wife. She's a nida. What do you mean? Your brother's wife is a nida? That doesn't make sense. She's, she was always a nida? She always has been a nida? No. What does it mean your brother's wife is a nida? Kinida. It means she, she's like Anida in her status. Mal Anida Bara. Just like Anida is forbidden, even with a partial. Uh, 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 relation 
So even your brother's wife is going to be forbidden with a partial um, intercourse. Says the Gemara, okay, so now I know your brother's wife is forbidden with a partial intercourse. But I'll tell you something unique about your brother's wife. Right? By, uh, by your brother's wife, you're allowed to keep marrying other women. Okay, so if, if, uh, if um, uh, somebody goes ahead, we know a man biblically is allowed to have multiple wives. You're not stuck to one specific woman. Ruvain marries Rachel. As soon as he marries Rachel, Rachel becomes forbidden to his brother Shimon. Can Shimon still marry anybody else? Absolutely. He's only forbidden to her. He's not forbidden to anybody else. So ask the Gemara, listen. Brother's wife is actually unique in that it only is forbidden to you because she's forbidden through a marriage. Hence, I could learn out any other relationship that's forbidden through a marriage. But how do I know now that a regular Arias, for example, a person's mother, a person's grandmother, where it's not coming about through a marriage, but it's coming about by being sharing the DNA and sharing the same blood. How do I know Hara'a is going to be forbidden there as well? So Gemara says, oh, I'll tell you. Allah I learned it out from the sister of my father and the sister of my mother. The nakedness of your aunt from your mother's side, the nakedness of your aunt from your father's side is not allowed to be revealed because you are revealing your own relatives, uh, your own relatives are raw. So you see that the same word is being used, that same level of, of relation is going to be forbidden. Hence, we now know that partial bia applies everywhere. It applies to Arias through marriage, and it applies through blood Arias as well. Says the Gemara, but one second. I'll ask on that source of your aunts, I'll ask on that source, You know, that, uh, the, that prohibition happened by itself. Okay, because in all these cases, how did she become my brother's wife? I'm sorry, how did this woman who I'm forbidden to become my father's sister? How did this woman I'm forbidden to become my mother's sister? You know how? Because God put them into the same family. It happened by itself. Says the Gemara, maybe I only know that a, that a relations with a, something that happened on its own. Nobody controlled it. It was something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided. That's where we say it's going to be forbidden. But otherwise, you don't know that. So the Gemara says, you're right. Ready? We tried bringing various proofs of how we know that a partial intercourse, a partial bia, is going to be forbidden. We tried bringing multiple sources. Each source we had a question on, and now the Gemara is going to say, you're right, we can't learn out from any source in, you know, individually, but let's see if we could combine some of these sources to allow us to learn out the prohibition of a partial bias. Here we go. It's true. So from one of our sources, we can't learn it out because each one's got its own chumrah, its own shunashi, but how about learn out one of the arayas from the other two? And now we're going to explain. 
Which two sources do you want to use to teach me that a partial bee is forbidden? Should we learn it out from the Pusik of my brother's wife, who's through marriage? And my father's sister, my mother's sister are also through marriage. You can't do that. You can't combine those two. You know why? I'll say, All those things are forbidden because they're related to the one who's having, uh, who, who's having uh, intercourse with them. But it doesn't extend past anybody else. So we're going to say, use the nida to be the source. Together with achisav and achisim. No. Again, these things happen by themselves. Nida happens naturally. Uh, my my uh, mother's sister, my father's sister also. It happened naturally. So maybe we should use the source of hara'a being forbidden from Nida and my father's uh, and my brother's wife to my parachta. What are you going to ask? You know, how are you going to remove that? Maybe we should talk and use this as a source. So says the Gemara, no, because Maskevla Rebacha Beidarvika, Rebacha Beidarvika challenged this and he says, listen, Malanida Veshazach, Shekin Ein Lahem Heter Bechaye Aisran. Both Nida and Chaya have nothing. Uh, uh, ultimately permitting them in the lifetime of whoever's forbidden to them. Anida is going to be forbidden no matter what. A br- my brother's wife is going to remain forbidden no matter what, as long as, as, long as uh, they're alive, as long as Anida's alive, as long as the, the brother's alive. Maybe you, uh, when you have a married woman who could become permitted during her husband's lifetime, okay, how do you know that? Let's say you have a married woman and a guy is having an affair with a married woman. You know how he has an affair? A partial bia. Maybe that's not a biblical transgression because when it comes to a married woman, the whole issue that's here is her husband because she's married. But if her husband were to divorce her, she would be permitted in her husband's lifetime to marry this other guy. Mamela asked the Gemara, you're not going to be able to source me from Nida and Eshesach either. Says the Gemara, no. I don't, the, the, says the Gemara to uh, Rav Acha, Breda Ravika, I don't like your question. I'll tell you why. Only Rav Acha, Midiftila Ravina. Otu Nida of Eshesach, Bechai Yosem, Hu De'in Lahem, Heter, Avala Acher, Mikan Yeshlam Heter. When it comes to Anida, or my brother's wife, where you say, oh, well, during the lifetime of the husband, you know, the brother, the nida. But afterwards, it is permitted. It, 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 yeah, after them, it's going to be a, a permitted time. Is, is that what's really bothering you? Come on. No. Nida, when it comes to a nida, we now turn to Ahmed Bey's. When it comes to a nida, is it a permanent problem to have relations with a bia? No. The issue with Anida, no. The whole problem is going to go away in a few days. It's a few days. Right? There's a little bit of a pause on having relations with Anida. When it comes to my brother's wife, it's actually not dependent on time. It's dependent on children. Because my brother's wife, I'm not allowed to marry her, but guess what? If my brother dies childless, I would now have a mitzvah to marry her. Okay, you hear this? is fascinating. So, the prohibition of my brother's wife is not a time issue. 
it's a child issue. If they would have had children, this woman would be forbidden to me forever. So don't combine the two because they're really functioning as different realities of how they're ultimately going to become permitted to me. Says the Gemara, you're right. Ella, rather, parachachim. If we're going to ask a question, here's what the question is going to be. And when it comes to a nida and the eshesach, the thing that made them prohibited is not the thing that makes it permitted. Okay? For example, by a nida, by a nida, what's making her impure and forbidden? A flow of blood. If the blood stops flowing, is she permitted? No. You still need to go to the mikveh. Right? What, what creates the purity? The stop of the blood? No. The mikveh. So the thing that's purifying her is different than the thing that is impurifying her. When it comes to the prohibition of my brother's wife, if they have kids, am I ever allowed to marry my brother's wife? No. My brother caused her to become forbidden to me. And now his, he's gone. Is there any way she becomes permitted to me? No. Not if he had kids, for sure not. Okay? Gavaldic. So that's why, says the Gemara, to learn out from Nida and Eishas Ach that Hara'a is forbidden is also not an option. So let's keep in mind what's happening right now. What, what are we searching for? This is fascinating. Remember on Omar Aleph, we had a question, and that is, show me, source me, that Hara'a, a partial relation, is a biblical transgression outside of these three areas. We know my aunts, we know Anida, we know my brother's wife, all partial relations are going to be forbidden. But how do I know to learn, how can I learn out from those three situations to everywhere else? We're still looking for a source. It's fascinating. Says the Gemara, oh, here we go. Let's try this. Rather, of Yena, some say it's Rav Huna, the son of Yeshua, says, Amar Krosh, the Inposuk, Kihola, Sher, Yasim, Kultavelis, Hateva, Seil, Venixo, and Afosh, so anybody who commits any one of these abominations will be high of Kares, Hukshu, Kolarai, Kula, and the Nida. We know there's an obligation of Kares by Nida. We compare all other of the Kares transgressions to Nida, and therefore we say, Malanida Bara, Afkal, Behara, the same way Nida is forbidden with a partial intercourse, so too, anytime there's a Arias, it's going to be forbidden even with a partial intercourse. That's the bottom line. Source of how we know even a partial bia is going to be a biblical transgression. Okay. Says the Gemara. This is very interesting. Ready for this? Classic Gemara. Where are we holding now? Let's talk outside for a moment. What have we just learned? We learned that a partial Intercourse on Anida is forbidden. We learned that every other transgression is also forbidden from Nida. Because the Torah says, Kol asher yase, anything that you do from all of the abominations all together. Hold on. Didn't we specifically list two places where partial intercourse is forbidden, right? Your father's sister, your mother's sister, and your wife's brother. Those were the other two times. Now, 
why do I got to list it individually if it's if that's also included now? Remember that? Like we, we, we brought explicitly three places in the Torah where it says that hara'a is going to be forbidden. But once we're learning it out from Nido, why do I got to list the other two places specifically? That's going to be our question. So here we go. All right, so why do we got to mention Nida when it comes to Eshazach, my brother's wife? Where's the source for Yavama in the Torah? What do you mean, Minayin? What's the source? You need a source for Yibam? Is it a, a hint? There's an explicit verse telling me about Yibam. No, no, no. This is what we're trying to figure out. Ella, How do you know that Yavama is forbidden even in her husband's lifetime? Okay, that's the, that's the Shaila. Okay. So the Gemara says, Hi, Svari. You know, it's Svara. Since Torah says that once her husband dies, he's forbidden, she's permitted to the brother of the childless. So if her husband's alive, she's going to be forbidden to the brother-in-law. Okay? Meaning, Reuven married to Rachel. They get divorced. Reuven dies childless. Is there Yibam? No, because she was divorced. Maybe after her husband dies, it's a mitzvah. But in her husband's lifetime, once she's been divorced, it's it, maybe you could choose. It's rishos. He has the option. He has uh, permission to fulfill the mitzvah. Or you could say after her husband dies, then the, then he's then he's allowed to marry her. But in her husband's lifetime, he's not allowed to marry her. And when you ever have a love, a negative commandment that comes through in Asay, the halacha is it has a status of an Asay. Bottom line is, it's removed now from the category of Kares. And we'll need a Pasuk to tell me that Kares remains in place while the husband's alive. So that's the Shailas. So so to teach us not like this, the Torah says, A man who marries his brother's wife, his sister-in-law, she is a nida. She's not really a nida, right? What if she's not a nida right now? Why are we calling her a nida? We're treating her like a nida. Just like a nida, where she's only forbidden until she goes to the mikvah. But once she goes to the mikvah, she's going to be okay. But if you have relations with her at the time that she didn't go to the mikvah yet, there's a chiyav kares. When it comes to your brother's wife, even though she had a heter afterwards, she had a time of heter afterwards. It's going to be chayav kares in the lifetime of her husband, even if he had already divorced her. Okay. Period. Says the Gemara. Now that we established partial intercourse is considered intercourse from Nida, why do I mention it specifically when it comes uh, as well? Why, 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 am, why am I mentioning it when it comes to my brother's, my father's sister and my mother's sister? Because Ravina asked of Rava, what is the halacha when it comes to Zichor. What's Zichor? A male-on-male intercourse. Okay, what we call homosexuality. So, what is the halacha? If you have two males and one partially, they have hara'a with the other. So, the Gemara says, Bizchor, when it comes to two males, Mishkvei Isha Ksiva. 
it says that it's forbidden for two males to lie together, to have relations like a female. So the same way it would be forbidden to have partial relations with a female, it should be forbidden with a male. Ella, Sigmar says, you're right. So I now have a direct source that even a partial intercourse between two males is going to be forbidden. But Ella, rather this question is, what about bestiality? A partial intercourse with an animal. There, what's the Allah? So Amar Lehi, she said to him, Once we don't need the Achais the Av and Achais Aim, right? We don't, doesn't need to be mentioned specifically the partial intercourse of your ants. You know why? Because it's all learned out from Nida, like we said with her Bionis Hekish, comparing Nida to everything else. So therefore, why are we mentioning it? To add on to the transgression when it comes to bestiality. Okay. Even a partial intercourse is going to be forbidden. Says the Gemara, one second. You're going to use the source of me being forbidden to my aunt to teach me a partial intercourse of bestiality? Michti, let's see. Behema chavi Mises Bezdeni. To have relations with an animal, bestiality, you're obligated in capital punishment. My time of la rodi dog, Gabi Chavi Krisis, look at Gabi Mises Bezden. Venail of Mises Bezden, Mises Bezden. Why would we source bestiality, which is of capital punishment, from an ant, which is a Chiv Karis? We should have sourced it from a different type of transgression, which is also obligated in capital. You should learn out capital punishment from capital punishment. Why are we learning out capital punishment from Karis? So Gumar says, I did the Kuli Krola Drusha, since the entire puzzle is coming to teach me Drusha, you're right, it could have, but we're adding it, you know, we're, we're adding it to the tab, so to speak. We're adding it to the Drusha. Says Gumara, my Drusha. Well, you know, where do we see that uh, an entire Drusha coming out of these Sukim? Says Gumara, fascinating. The Tani. We learned in a Brisa. You should not reveal the nakedness of your aunt, your father's sister. This is the sister of your mother or the sister of your father. Right? Why do you say maybe it means you're only forbidden to have relations with your father's sister, but maybe your mother's sister is actually allowed? It's logic. The same way my half-sister, whether she's my sister because we share fathers, or whether she's my sister because we share mothers, I'm forbidden to her. So too, when it comes to a sister of my parent, whether she's a sister of my father, whether she's a sister of my mother, she's going to be forbidden. Maybe we should look at it differently and say, you know, when you have relations with your father's sister, and I'm chayev also with my father's sister-in-law, my father's brother's wife, just like when it comes to the prohibition of marrying your father's brother's wife, but you're not prohibited from marrying your mother's brother's wife, so do we say over here as well, you should not be prohibited from having relations with your mother's sister, with her, where it says, no, let's look, which is, which is this transgression most similar to? When you look at your half-brother and half-sister, what's it most similar to? 
We should learn out a transgression that came on its own. What's something that came on its own? Again, decided by the Rabbi Nishleilam, where HaKadosh Baruch who sent somebody into your family. From something which comes from your family. And exclude your father's brother's wife, which was a transgression through marriage. Right? It's a marriage transgression. Maybe we should learn out relatives of the father from relatives of the father. And do not refute it with your sister, which which comes through your own blood. So to answer that, the nakedness of your aunt, your father's sister, you should not reveal. That seems to imply any type of aunt. Then it says the nakedness of the sister of your mother, you should not reveal. So we're actually going to have two psukim teach me the same thing, which leads to an obvious question. Why do you need that? Why do you got to mention, if one could be learned out from the other, why are we mentioning specifically my aunt from my father and my aunt from my mother? says, It's necessary for the Torah to directly list both of them. If the Torah would have wrote that I'm forbidden to my father's sister, I would say like this, you know what? You both share the same paternal yichus. When it comes to my mother's sister, who we don't have any uh, sort of tribal uh, affiliation with, maybe I would say it's a different halach. And if the Torah would have only written that I'm forbidden to my mother's sister, my aunt through my mother, she came by Dias. <laughs> I'll say it like this. She's for sure related. You don't really know if you're related to your father's side of the family. You know you're related to your mother's side of the family. Why? Because I, I don't really know my father's my father. I know my mother's my mother. This applies to all of us, by the way. We know for sure the mother of a child. Why? Because you came out of her body. Do we know for sure who had relations with the mother? No. We assume it's a husband, but it's a chazaka, it's a status. So we say, oh, maybe I'm only forbidden to my mother's sister because it's vadois, it's a certain relation. But maybe my mother's sister, I would say, without the pasuk, I should be allowed to. Chazaka, eh, just a status, I don't know for sure, maybe she's not really my aunt, maybe, right? My, my mother had relations with somebody else. Tzricha, therefore the Torah needs to teach us psukim by both. Okay. Says the Gemara. V'day dosai. When it comes to my married-in aunt, what is Daidosai? This is my father's sister-in-law, my father's brother's wife. Okay, so she's my aunt because she married my uncle. The Tana took it as a premise. My father's brother's wife is forbidden to me, but my mother's brother's wife is not forbidden. Minale, where did that come from? Where did that premise come from? That I'm permitted to my mother's brother's wife, but not my father's brother's wife. Omar Rava Rava says, Asya daidai, daidai. We learn it out from Akzera Shava of the word uncle, uncle. Ksiv hacha, it says about having relations with, um, with your father's sister in law, your father's brother's wife. 
Ervas Doidegili. You not only have relations with your father's brother's wife because you've revealed the nakedness of your father's brother, of your uncle. Uksiv Hasam, and it also says in the Torah, Okay? If you have a Jew who's owned by a non-Jew, his relative, his uncle or his cousin has to help redeem him. Just like over there, it's referring to the father's side, as we're going to see shortly. Okay? The father's side is the one responsible to bail him out, not the mother's side. How do you know that? His family, his ancestral family, his tribal family, needs to redeem him. Fascinating, okay? So the father's side has some more financial achrayas to him than the mother's side. So that's the source that the father's brother's wife is more connected than the mother's brother's wife. And this that we learned in the Mishnah. Listen to this incredible case. Chavra, listen closely. You have a husband and wife that's married. Some guy, they tell the husband, you know, your wife went overseas, she died. See, he married his wife's paternal sister, which you're allowed to do if your wife is dead. He married his wife's paternal sister. Mesa Vinasa Achaisa Meima. And then she died, and he married his second wife's sister from the mother. Mesa, she died. Vinasa Achaisa Meavia. And then he married. His third wife's half sister through her father. She died, and then he married her sister from her mother. Guess what happened? Turns out they were all alive. The whole thing was a mistake. Nobody died in the first place. Listen closely. You'll blow your mind. Is he still married to his first wife? Yeah. What about his second wife? Now remember, his second wife was the paternal sister of his first wife. Is he married to her? Nope. You know why? They're sisters. The marriage wasn't valid in the first place. What about the third wife? Who was the maternal sister of the second wife? Yeah. Because your first wife and your third wife are not sisters. And then the pattern continues. Here we go. He's married to wife one, three, and five. And if Yibum were to happen and he were to die, they would potter their co-wives because of Arias. And the second wife and the fourth wife, he was never married to, and he's completely forbidden to stay with them. And if he were to not have children from them, or he were to die, Raja. so any one of them would not uh, remove the obligation on the co-wife. You know why? Because you weren't married to them, so they weren't really co-wives. Okay. And now we'll just end off with one more addition to this story, and it's going to take us to the last word on today's daf. If let's say the husband had relations with his second wife, 
after his first wife died. Okay? Meaning, it's not that he found out later his first wife never died. No. Taka, his first wife died. But when it came to his second wife, he's still around. So, Mutter Bishniu Birviyas, he now becomes permitted on the second wife because, because she's, she's totally muttered to him. So that never changed. Okay. That never changed for him. The, the first one was Taka dead. He's permitted to marry the second one. So she's a valid marriage. Her sister is not valid. The sister of the other one is valid. The Ravias, they will potter their co-wives. He's only going to be forbidden to wife number three and the fifth one again, because they're Arias to him. They're Ervis to him. And he's going to be forbidden to remain with them as well. Now, bottom line is, if they were also, if they also had co-wives, that's nothing's going to happen because those co-wives are not going to be released be, um, be, uh, because they're not really co-wives. Wife third, wife number three and wife number five weren't married in the first place. Okay. That's the end of the, uh, that's the, the end of that, uh, Mishnah slash Brisa. We'll hold it here for this evening. Bez Hashem. We will pick up tomorrow morning on the top line with Alma Achai Sishtai. We'll pick up continuing on of the Sugya and getting into the various Arias and the pro, uh, prohibitions on half siblings and aunts and uncles and all these things. Gishmaka stuff. We'll pick up from here tomorrow. Agitavach, Agitin Chaydesh. And uh, we'll pick up 9.30 a.m. Sunday, Mertz Hashem. We'll pick up tomorrow morning, 9.30. What time is Shachar's over uh, tomorrow morning, uh, Rosh Kodesh? Same, so, same time, 7.15 and 8.30. Okay, thank you so much. All right.